All right, so today we are picking up our series called Wonder. And it's called Wonder because we're looking at the names of God and how the names of God describe who he is, not just what he does, but like his character, his nature, his makeup. And so we've looked at um, like the God who heals, God who provides, God who is peace, God is my shepherd. Isn't it amazing? Like God is these things. And it should start to stir wonder in our hearts. And today we're going to talk about the God who makes us holy. Specifically from Leviticus 20, it says this, I am the Lord who makes you holy. This is a name of God, right? This is a, this is a, a word name of God in the original Hebrew. Um, forgive my pronunciation. It's Yahweh Makadesh, God who makes you holy. And it's a strange concept, isn't it? This idea. I mean, what is this holiness? And what might it mean that God makes us holy? I know as I say the word holy all around the room, we have different responses to it. It's a word like that has a bit of a resonance and a history with us sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes we, we press it. We're not really sure what it means, but maybe we've heard stuff like holy Joe, holier than thou. And we have this sense that it might mean it's that's stuck up and detached and and um, stuffy and and stuff that we might not want to be or it's quite a religious word for others of us maybe maybe holy it's about being perfect and there's a sense that this word has a bit of a like a prison around it it can like it feels like a bit of a cage that wants to come around us and stop us from doing some stuff or maybe it's a word that might be associated like with failure inevitable failure that I can never achieve it like I'm supposed to but I'm never going to be but today I want us to understand like this word holy isn't fuddy-duddy or dead or restrictive or condemning but it is a life-filled word a word that should spark off in our heads should be full of energy and excitement and inspiration the word holy and the idea that God is a God who makes us holy is big and wide and deep and significant and good news for us it's not just some abstract concept but like today this could change us it's exciting news for all of us there's this story in the bible um, where god is called holy three times and uh, it's in isaiah chapter six you might want to turn to it with me if you've got your bible or your bible on your phone it's about halfway through just after halfway through isaiah chapter six and um, we're going to stay there through this morning. So you might want to put your finger there. You might want to grab your notebook too or anything. And, and uh, so in this passage, Isaiah is having this incredible vision. Right? He's in the temple. He's in the most holy place in this vision. And this is what it says from verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Can you start to picture this? Can you see this vision in your own head? And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. So, this is a pretty powerful, mysterious passage, right? What is going on? In the middle of it, we've got this idea that God is incredibly holy. God is holy, holy, holy. And this, con- this passage comes in a context of lots of passages through the Bible which talk about this idea of God being holy and which build up a picture of a God who's um, like this multifaceted holiness. And in the Old Testament books about God's laws, holiness is about ritual purity. Right? It's about the, the idea that to move towards God and to move into his presence, people have to clean themselves and separate themselves from stuff that's associated with death and disease and decay, washing and purifying. And in the Old Testament prophetic books, holiness is about social justice and righteousness. And in the Old Testament wisdom books, holiness is about moral purity and decision making. And in the Old Testament poetry books, holiness is about overwhelming greatness and power and majesty and glory and beauty. So holy is, holiness is a multi-dimensional idea about God. And so we're building this picture of a holy God who's completely other than us, his holiness, his otherness, his transcendence. God is holy. God is completely good, completely beautiful, completely loving, completely powerful, completely pure, completely awesome. And God's holiness is a complete absence of things that are dead and also a complete fullness of things that are good. A good that's even dangerous to be around because it's so powerful. And so Isaiah, he's in the center of the temple. He's in this holy place. He's in the most holy place. And, and this is what's said. It's holy, holy, holy as the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And in some ways, it can help to think like of holiness, of God's holiness being a bit like the sun. Because the sun is unique in our solar system, isn't it? Like it's immensely powerful. It's full of energy. It's the source of all life. And like there's a sense that the sun is holy and uniquely pure and powerful. And that the, the very source that creates this life is also dangerous. You, don't, you can't get too close, can you? Does anyone fancy a trip to the sun? We definitely get a sense of that in this passage in Isaiah, don't we? God's holiness, so full and powerful. And Isaiah gets a glimpse of this holiness. And he's in awe, and in some ways it's captivating. Because we, as people, we're, we're like this, aren't we? We are captivated by things that are transcendent or higher or other than us, and we catch a glimpse of those things. There's something in, in us that longs for those moments, we're searching for more, aren't we? We're searching for hints of the divine. We're drawn to it subconsciously. You know, even like a couple, um, little while ago, I went on this trip to the States. And I was so looking forward to this trip. And I was planning in high moments. 
I definitely wanted to experience something. And so I was so blessed. I got to do some really amazing things. And here's a picture of one of them. This is me at the top of a mountain called Glacier Point. And look at that. Isn't it like an amazing picture? To be there, to stand there, to experience this, to look out on those mountains and that view and the, the, the smell of the air and the beauty of it all. Definitely for me, this was a transcendent moment, like a taste of holiness. The whole earth is full of his glory. And what is it about us as human beings that wants to climb mountains or to look at stars or to look out to the sea in a storm? We have this inbuilt urge, don't we, for the transcendent, for the more, for the epic, for the pure, for the holy. Holiness in its wide sense, multidimensional awesomeness. And it's not just in nature. Maybe we recognize in our own lives when things do suddenly, even if just for a moment, they appear to be on another level, like things just work. Like things are flowing and moving and resonating and free. Maybe a project you're working on at work is coming to life. Or maybe, an, maybe a relationship you're in is full of energy and spark. Maybe there's a sudden moment of peace. And we catch a glimpse just for a second. Back in my trip, I was, um, I was walking down the road one day and I got an unexpected high point. I just walked, I walked past this flower, um, flower shop, excuse me, plant shop. And I just had to go in. Look, I mean, look at this plant shop. It's so beautiful. Look at the depth of the greens and the colors and the shapes and the sense of life. And for me, like this caught me. Something about it caught me. And so when I came home, I thought, I've got to do, I've got to get some plants. I've got to do this. I've got to create this thing. And, um, and so I did that. But, but <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't quite go so great. Have a look. This is my, um, this is my attempt a little while on. Oh my goodness. I know. Like what a disaster. What a total mess up. And we and we and we recognize this. We all recognize this, don't we? We recognize this gap, like the gap between the transcendent, the gap between the thing up here and, and the sense of where my life is right now and the everyday. The gap is a dissonance, like it's a mismatch between who I am and how things could be. And the holiness gap isn't a gap just between us and God, it's a gap which can describe an already existing longing that we're carrying around inside of us. Each of us is a reflection of God. We're made in his image and that God's reflection is longing to be expressed. We all have a sense, don't we, that, we're, that there's more than this. That I should be better and that things should be better, that the world should be a better place. And whenever we hear what's going on in the world, violence... Coronavirus, child abuse, terrorism, ecological destruction, financial corruption. Like we all know, we all feel it, don't we? It wasn't supposed to be like this. And we feel the same about ourselves, our shortfalls, where we've missed things. We've missed our dreams or tensions and pains we carry and the way we lash out at other people and the way we hold revenge in our hearts. We all feel it, don't we? It's not how it's supposed to be. And we hold an awareness that things ought to be better and that I ought to be better, but I'm perpetually not. And the world ought to be better, but it's perpetually not. And on the other side of this gap, you've got God in all his holiness. Like God embodies this otherness, this transcendence that our hearts ache for. 
embodied in God who is completely good, completely beautiful, completely loving, completely powerful, completely awesome. And it's not just an external standard imposed on us from above like a big weight or rules at school, but a longing inside of us for the way things should have been all along. In relationships, in health, in creativity, in power, like the multidimensional holiness, which is an absence of sin and death and darkness, and also a presence, a fullness of light and power and goodness and beauty and glory. We're created to be holy. We crave like this otherness, this holiness, because we're made in the image of a holy God. Back to Isaiah. If you've got your finger in, let's get to verse 5. And so Isaiah, Isaiah sees this and he says, Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah's made so aware, isn't he, of the gap and he's worried that this gap will mean he, he's going to be destroyed. Knowing like the presence of God will overwhelm him. Holiness is an answer to a basic question like, how do I live a full, complete, joyful life? Where relationships are right, where I feel good about who I am in myself. It's a desire we have like, for this divine life, an acknowledgement of universal human feeling of lack, of emptiness, of longings, of disappointment, of failure, and the sense that this gap is killing us. The good news is like what happens next in this vision. Let's move on. Verse 6 to 7. The good news is it's like it is God who makes us holy. Holiness isn't something that we can do ourselves. We are only made holy by God. And so there's this moment in the vision. It says this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken from, with tongs from the fire, And when he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. This is an amazing, incredible moment. This hot coal, remember like the sun analogy, it's pulled out and it touches Isaiah and something amazing happens because the rule is, you know the rule. If you touch something contaminated, you become contaminated yourself. We know this, right, in the middle of coronavirus and all that's going on. But here, like this time, life overwhelms death. It's shocking. Like something of ultimate purity touches Isaiah and it's, and it's transferred to him and makes him pure. Head to foot, like it floods over him. Head to foot, inside and out, body, soul and spirit. And it's incredible because it's a picture that just turns everything around. Instead of it being our job to make ourselves clean, like it's a picture of God's holiness coming from the temple and bringing things to life. And the vision doesn't fully make sense until we see Jesus This is where it gets really exciting. Because Jesus is God's holiness embodied on earth. And the wonder of it is that instead of setting himself apart and being distant from us and above us, he is with us and he interacts with us. He reaches out to us and he touches us in all our dirt and shame and guilt. 
In fact, he, like, he goes to the lowest places, the most broken places, the dirtiest places. He goes around deliberately touching things that are impure or broken or messed up. And he makes them pure and restored. Because there's this story, some of you might know it, of the woman who'd been bleeding for years. You can read it in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. We're going to look at Luke today, Luke chapter 8, verse 43. It says this, A woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. What an incredible story. This woman has tried everything that the world has to offer. Have you ever been in that place? You've tried everything. And then there's this moment where she reaches out and she touches Jesus. And even though he doesn't see her... His purity like floods out of her. His holiness floods out from him and is transfer, transferred to her and she is made clean. And she's not the only one. Like All over the place as people come into connection with Jesus, like this happens. People who are dead come to life. People with leprosy are healed. Lame people walk even more miraculously. People who reach out to him are forgiven their sins. Jesus' purity transfers to them and makes them new. Jesus is like the holy coal, the holy coal that touches Isaiah's lips. And Jesus is unique. He's powerful. He's the source of life. He's the glory, the beauty, the justice, the transcendence, the perfection of God. And yet he reaches out and touches us. And so today there's an opportunity here and now in 2020 to reach out to Jesus and to ask him to forgive us and to fill us with his goodness to take away the dead things in our lives and pour in life again and Jesus died and rose on a cross he did it so that his holiness is available to each one of us today We can come to him and have our sins taken away. We can have the contaminated stuff we've done and the contaminated stuff that's been put on us or done to us. And we can take on his goodness and beauty and perfection. We're invited in. We're invited into this most holy place. Invited by his love and his sacrifice and his holiness. Some of us might think like we're beyond it. Like this is not for us. Like today we're unlovable. Or we might think like we're useless or hopeless. Or we're dirty or we're damaged goods or we're soiled or we're broken beyond repair. We might think like we're unclean, we're unforgiven, we're unloved and we're unwanted. And you might be thinking, Paul, you're you're talking about all this stuff but you don't know me, you don't know my life. You don't know what's happened. And you're right, I don't. But Jesus does, and he stands with his arms open to welcome you.
And so even though we might feel like Isaiah, even though like we might cower away and feel like we are nothing in God's presence, the truth is Jesus rewrites our stories. Like his love and his holiness reaches to us with open arms. Like in Jesus we can be born afresh. We can accept him and in turn he'll give you a new identity. Saying you are clean, forgiven, loved and wanted. God makes us holy through Jesus our saviour. Isn't that amazing? We don't want to miss that today, do we? Like in a world where we might look up to celebrity or skill or insta personalities or all that stuff around us, like God's already given you more than that. You're already more than this. Like you're a child of God. You're a reflection of Him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus is saying to each of us today, and he's saying to you, I am the Lord who makes you holy. It's incredible. It's incredible. Like That demands a response, right? So we're going to do that um, when I finish in a bit. So we're made holy, we're sanctified, but also we continue to be being made holy every day. We're both made holy and being made holy. Holiness is both a one-off event and an ongoing process. Both are made possible through God who makes us holy. We know, don't we, that we are broken people and we're still going to carry some old habits, some old ways of thinking and mindsets. Um, we've given, been given a fresh start, like a reset, and we've been invited into a new way of being and continuing to be every day being transformed. Life in connection with the Holy Spirit. I love this, this passage coming from 2 Peter 1. It says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Did you catch that? You may participate in the divine nature. Like you might live the divine life. You might live a holy life. You might live a life on another level. For this very reason, make every effort, it goes on, to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godless mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember my plant disaster? Yeah? What did I need then? What, what, what did I need? I needed someone alongside me to say, hey, Paul, it's time to water the plant. Or maybe don't water it that much. Like, I still don't know which it was. Someone gave me some advice earlier. Um, or maybe uh, the best analogy I've heard of this is like a harbour pilot. 
I don't know if you know this, but when a big ship comes into port, they often send out the harbour pilot who comes onto the ship, he boards the ship, he stands with the captain and he says, okay, as you, as you go through here, watch out over there, there's sandbanks over there you can't see, and he'll say, as you go around this little bend here, then you just need to slow down a little bit. And he doesn't drive the ship. It's the captain's job to drive the ship, and he can still crash the boat if he wants to crash the boat. But he has a presence with him. And we need the Holy Spirit, don't we? Not just as a one-off event, but practicing his presence every single day, coming to him, Lord, guide me, be with me, change me, renew me, make me holy. John Mark Comer calls it long obedience in an age of instant gratification. Like continually seeking forgiveness. Continually filling ourselves with goodness. Continually living according to God's word. Loving God, loving other people. We need to help, the help, ask for help from the Holy Spirit every day to keep changing and transforming us, don't we? All right, so finally, we're made holy, we're being made holy, and we're also making holy. Okay, back to Isaiah. Let's look at verse 8. It says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So he's in the temple. He's in the most holy place. And he says, Here am I, send me. And there's so much imagery in the Bible of life flowing out from the temple. Sometimes it's described like a river. And Jesus said that we, his disciples, are now the temple and that we are becoming the river that flows out to bring life. We transform and change and renew our world as the Holy Spirit works and flows out through us. You can look up, if you want, in Ezekiel 47, Revelation 22, these beautiful pictures of how this happens. And so we become holy, we reflect God's holiness, and we also participate in holiness, bringing holiness to the world around us. Remember we said at the beginning that holiness is, holiness is both an absence of things that are dead and life-destroying and also a fullness of goodness and beauty and glory. And so we're both set apart from impurity and death. And also invited in to participate in beauty and goodness and perfection and the power of the Holy Spirit and justice and glory. We need to carry the presence of the Holy Spirit and join the Holy Revolution. God renewing the earth with life. Because one day it will be complete, right? There will be no more sin and pain and destruction and people tearing each other apart. It'll all be made new. And we get to be a part of it now. This is an amazing thing. Think about it. Wherever you go, whatever you're up to, whoever you're with, whatever situation you're in, you, you get to carry holiness. You get to carry transformation and be involved as God's holiness works its way out to bring things to life. Like Picking plastic off a beach is making holy. Showing love is making holy. Playing, praying with someone is holy. Bringing worship into an environment is making holy. Standing for justice is making holy. Creating something beautiful is making holy. Sitting with someone who's lonely is making 
holy. Bringing ethical leadership to business is making holy. Sharing the good news of Jesus is making holy. So today, can we say to God, send me. Let me be involved in the story of you bringing life and renewal and holiness to the world around us. It's a good thing to say yes to, right? So remember, today, like, God's name is God who makes us holy. Like, we can only respond to that in worship and wonder by giving our lives. God who makes us holy. Why don't we stand? Because there's a few opportunities today and we're going to pray over a few things. Um, it's going to be an opportunity to come to the front. We're going to pray and we can be anointed with oil. It's going to be good. Because um, maybe today is about just expanding our vision of what holiness is about, of grasping something new and just saying, yes, God, open up my understanding. Take me deeper with you. Help me wonder in the things that you're doing and wonder in who you are and what you have for us in our lives. Or maybe today is about you just saying to God for the first time or again, God, I just need you. I need you to, I I feel dirty. I've got this stuff in my life. I've messed up. I need your holiness, your purity. I need to reach out. I need to touch that. I need it to flood into me. Maybe we've had stuff done to us that we feel like this has wrecked me. And we need an opportunity for God's goodness to change that story as we reach out and we touch him. Like maybe today is about a reset. Or maybe today is about a reprogramming. Like a just God help me in the every day and I've got this coming up this week or next week or I'm in this situation or that situation. I need you to walk alongside me. I need you to, your Holy Spirit to live in me. I need that presence. I need to be able to discern what to do. I need to react well. I need, to, I, need to, I need you to flow out of me instead of me to flow out of me. I need your wisdom and your guidance and your holiness in my life. Maybe it's that. Maybe, like for some of us, we're like, I need to be part of this story. I, need, I, I just need an opportunity, an opportunity to make holy in the world and I want to make myself available maybe today's about that for you maybe I like we're just saying to God God I know you've got this thing for me or maybe God I need I need to find a way to do that and so today might be about that this morning so why don't we why don't we close our eyes and uh, and let's pray thank you Lord Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come into your presence, even though we might cower away, even though your glory and your majesty and your beauty is so high. And sometimes we feel so low. Thank you, God that we're welcome, that we're invited. 
that you make us new, that you pour yourself into us, not by anything that we can do, but because of who you are, God who makes me holy. And so we're going we're gonna to sing, we're going to just let the song play, and as it plays, you might just want to listen, but I want to create an opportunity now just to respond, and we can do that, like love it if we just came down the front here, for you, we can anoint you with oil, what we mean by that, we're just going to put a little bit of oil on your forehead, and we're just going to say like this is a touch of the presence of God, like Holy Spirit, there's nothing weird about it. It's just a symbol of what the Holy Spirit might do as you come, as you move forward and you touch him. And so we're going to create an opportunity to do that. If you want to respond to in any of those things, you don't have to say what it is, although you can if you want. Um, we create a safe space for prayer as we sing. And so I'd encourage you, let's do that now, shall we? If you want to do that, if you want to come forward, why don't you, why don't you do that? Come forward to the team now. We'd love to pray with you.